the heart of the matter. It's Heart Disease Awareness Month, and that's our show for today. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about preventing heart disease. And I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday afternoon, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. And we always like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support our program. Thanks to Marley Drug and Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower than even the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Dr. Forrest, if folks want to get more information about today's topic or perhaps they have another question that uh, they would like to get your uh, medical response to, uh, where can they get that information? How can they reach out to you? If they'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to acchealth.com. Again, that's acchealth.com. Or they can call us at 919-363-0190. After the show, if they want to listen to an on-demand podcast at wptf.com, they can do that. And we also have links to that on our landing page at accesshealthradio.com. And if listeners would like to send us a question for possibly a future mailbag show, they can do that at accesshealthradio at gmail.com. Dr. Forrest, advances are being made constantly in the field of medicine. And as new research comes out, advice from doctors naturally is going to change. And there are some major changes in the recommendations about preventing heart disease. And this is Heart Month. We're right here at the tail end of it with the Go Red for Women campaign. It's a great time to talk about heart disease. Yes, uh, you know, medical knowledge is always advancing and changing, and only 92 years ago, there were no antibiotics, and when people got a bacterial infection, they had a good chance of dying from it, whereas now that's a fairly rare event, and some diseases that used to be fatal are now curable, and others like smallpox and polio have even been almost totally eliminated. However, the frustration can be that doctors' recommendations to patients also change as more is discovered and researched in detail. And today we're going to talk about some, some recent changes. As we talk about preventing heart disease, we're going to talk about some of the newer recommendations that will affect almost everyone in our listening audience and will actually change the type, the number, of, and potency of the medications that we take. I've heard that one new recommendation is getting rid of aspirin as a method to prevent heart disease and stroke. What can you tell us about that? Well, this is a fairly major change. Um, you know, as little as uh, 12 months ago, we were still telling patients that were between the ages of 50 and 60 that taking a baby aspirin each day was useful to prevent heart attacks and strokes. And that for those aged 60 to 70, it might also have some benefit. And now, due to some new research trials on aspirin, we are no longer recommending aspirin to prevent strokes or heart attacks in people who have never had one of those before. And that's a huge change. And, you know, often I'll actually get new patients that come into the office that are on aspirin. And I tell them, hey, I, you know, I really want you to stop taking that. And they say, well, I thought that was good for my heart. And uh, so, you know, it catches people by surprise even now. So, you know, for years we've known that aspirin is a good blood thinner and it, that it has helped prevent strokes and heart attacks. But the more recent studies concluded that the benefit is fairly minimal and that daily aspirin therapy had risk that actually made it more harmful than not to take it for people that had never had a stroke or a heart attack. However, if you had had a stroke or a heart attack in the past, it still uh, can be recommended for you. 
And of key importance, you should always ask your own physician if you should continue aspirin or stop it based on the new recommendations. But for most people who've never had a problem like that, it's not going to be recommended anymore. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Time now for our Access Health Tip of the Week. Nearly 80% of cardiac events can be prevented, and cardiovascular disease continue to be women's greatest health threat. Cardiovascular disease claims the lives of one in three women and is the number one killer of women. That's approximately one woman every minute. And it's a myth that heart disease doesn't affect women who are in good shape. Um, It's a fact. Even if you exercise and work out on a regular basis, your risk for heart disease isn't completely eliminated. Cholesterol, smoking, and what you eat all make up for that. And there is a myth that only overweight people have high cholesterol. The truth is that you can be very thin, a vegetarian, and even a marathon runner and still have high cholesterol. According to the American Heart Association, you should start getting your cholesterol checked at age 20 or even earlier if your family has a history of heart disease. Don't forget, high blood pressure almost never has symptoms, and that's why it's called the silent killer. So make sure you get that checked accurately at least four times per year as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, Dr. Forrest has other new recommendations regarding blood pressure and cholesterol, and our Access Health Trivia is coming up as well. Welcome back in to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest of Apex. I'm Mike Davis. We're talking today about preventing heart disease. We're discussing things like blood pressure and cholesterol. Dr. Forrest, I understand blood pressure used to be said 120 over 80. Uh, that was normal, but I, I'm hearing that's no longer in, uh, that's no longer the case. Tell us about that. That's right. Um, You know, given some recent large research trials, 120 is now considered to be high blood pressure. Years ago, when they used to study blood pressure, they did the studies to see if lowering it below 200 would save lives. And once they discovered it did, they actually did studies to see if less than 180 would save lives. And every time one of these trials concluded, they would see that lowering the blood pressure by about 20 more points would actually cut the risk of a heart attack or a stroke in half. So the recent trials, including one called SPRINT, they actually looked to see if lowering blood pressure that we used to consider in the normal range would also reduce the risk for stroke and heart attack. And sure enough, in that trial, getting blood pressure just from 133 to 123 actually cut the risk of a stroke in half. And as a result, the new guidelines have reclassified blood pressure such that normal actually ends at 119. So we do not recommend starting medication for people that are between 120 and 130, but instead recommend changes like the DASH diet and exercise. However, a big change is that now we do recommend medication for some patients starting as early as a a systolic blood pressure or the top number of 130. And for patients at 140 or more, we now recommend starting with at least two medications. And above 130 is now considered stage one high blood pressure. And above 140 is now considered to be the worst stage uh, or the highest risk category for high blood pressure. Well, I think a lot of people are going around thinking 120s and 130s for blood pressure is okay. So maybe we need to rethink that. Yes. And, you know, more importantly, we do now know that blood pressure is likely the most important cause for stroke, dementia, heart failure, heart attacks, and kidney failure. 
in other words, if you really could only fix one thing wrong with your health, getting your blood pressure to normal is probably at the very top of the list with cholesterol being a close second. We're talking with Dr. Brian Forrest today. This is Access Health Radio on WPTF FM 98.5 AM 680. I understand, Dr. Forrest, there are some changes to the recommendations for cholesterol as well. Tell us about that. Yes, we, we don't want to forget cholesterol. There, there has been a lot of confusion and also myths about treating cholesterol. But what we know now is that it's incredibly important. And it's also one of the biggest contributors to people getting memory loss and dementia like Alzheimer's. We already knew that high cholesterol could lead to heart attacks and strokes. But now it turns out that the decreased blood flow to the brain caused by cholesterol buildup may actually be one of the primary causes of dementia. And that puts a lot of people into skilled nursing facilities and nursing homes. It turns out that treating cholesterol with statins can significantly reduce the risk of dementia and memory loss. And, you know, the cost of even the newer and more effective cholesterol medicines uh, with lower side effects, uh, like pedivastatin, have come down to remarkably low prices. I mean, like I say, even the newest one, pedivastatin, which goes by the name brand Ziptomag, uh, is now only $30 a month for Marley drug. And that drug used to be $300 a month. So um, all of these, even the newest one, again, is very affordable now. Wow, that is very, very encouraging. After the break, Dr. Forrest is going to discuss key points about some of the brand new recommendations that are out for blood pressure and cholesterol. And of course, we cannot get away without having our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. All that coming up on Access Health Radio. We're talking about blood pressure and cholesterol and heart disease today on Access Health Radio. Thanks for joining me. I'm Mike Davis, board-certified family physician. Dr. Brian Forrest is with us. And I, I want to I throw a question at you right now, Dr. Forrest. I recently got my annual physical, and I don't remember the exact numbers for my blood pressure, but I'm going to bounce these off you because I'd like your professional opinion. And Uh, My numbers, I think, were around 120 over 90. Now, we've been talking about those higher numbers, the the, the upper number, and uh, let's talk about that lower number a little bit. We're saying that was around 90 or so. First of all, which one is the systolic and which one's the diastolic? And can you tell me uh, about that lower number, what we should be looking for uh, in that range? And is 90 on the high side? That's a great question. So systolic is always the, t- the high number. So the first number is the systolic. And what that represents is that's actually the pressure when your heart's actually squeezing the blood out and pumping the blood. So that's why it's a higher number. And the lower number is the diastolic number. And that's sort of the pressure that's in your blood vessels when your heart's not squeezing the blood out. So that's it sort of goes between that low and that high. Mm. And the difference between those two numbers is literally what makes the blood sort of go forward. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, 90 for diastolic is on the high side. We like for the diastolic blood pressure. Perfect is 75. So, you know, a blood pressure of 115 over 75 is considered ideal. So if it's getting over 79, um, then that's up a little bit. When it gets over 90, that's really to be considered in one of the, the higher ranges for diastolic. Uh, but mostly we consider both of the numbers and we look at the systolic in most people as the predominant risk factor for strokes and that type of thing. 
Sounds like I need to get my numbers down a little bit, particularly that diastolic number. Yeah, that diastolic, uh, a 90 is a little bit high for that. So, you know, if you can get it below 80, that's that's plenty good. But uh, I would definitely try to at least knock 10 points off. And it doesn't sound like much, but believe it or not, lowering that number 10 points cuts your risk of a heart attack and stroke in half. So mm-hmm. it's really significant. All right. Well, we're going to come back and talk about how to lower those numbers here in just a minute. But first, it's time for the Access Health Trivia of the Week. The first blood pressure guideline wasn't even developed until 1977, and that was called the Joint Commission. At the time, only the lower number, which we just talked about, of blood pressure, the diastolic, was considered important. And at that point, it was supposed to be under 90. But there have been seven revisions to the blood pressure guideline over the last 40 years. And believe it or not, in the early 70s, for the top number for systolic, less than 180 was considered to be ideal. What are some keys for us to remember today, Dr. Forrest, about preventing heart disease? And I know a lot of things have changed recently, so sort of give us an idea of what it is we should be looking for. Well, first of all, I know that, that, you know, over the years, a lot of people have learned about aspirin and it being a weak blood thinner and, you know, helping the risk for stroke and heart attack. And so it's relatively new, you know, in the last year and a half that we've stopped recommending aspirin as a way to prevent heart disease and stroke, at least for people that have never had a stroke or a heart attack in the past. And that's a big change because, uh, you know, I think people just had gotten used to expecting that they would sort of take this low-dose aspirin as a way to prevent strokes and heart attacks, you know, once they were over, say, 40 or 50. Um, So it really is a big change. And it turns out the reason why is that, you know, every time you take an aspirin, uh, it can cause a little bit of a, a bleeding in the stomach. It's a little bit irritating to your stomach. And so even if you take a baby aspirin every day, it increases the risk that people are going to have what we call GI bleeds. And GI bleeds can be really devastating. I mean, you can lose a lot of blood through your stomach um, and no people actually die from that. So what the studies concluded is that for people that were at low risk that had never had a heart attack or a stroke before, the, the benefit of the low-dose aspirin didn't outweigh the risk of the potential side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and another side effect it can cause when you're taking it every day like that is uh, tinnitus or ringing in the ears, which a lot of people already suffer from, so we wouldn't want to make that any worse either. Um, The second thing to remember today is that high blood pressure really does start at 120 over 80. Um, And while medication is not recommended for people until that pressure, you know, is over 130 for the top number, diet and exercise to reduce it really should start at a blood pressure of 120. And although high blood pressure has no symptoms, and therefore they call it the silent killer, it is probably one of the most important things uh, that somebody can do to manage uh, their health and to prevent heart attack, stroke, and even dementia. So, uh, you know, I always say to my patients, we have priorities. And sometimes I'll tell them that, you know, my top priority is their blood pressure. My second priority after that is their cholesterol. My third priority after that is controlling their blood sugar. And of course, that also assumes that they're not smoking and, you know, they're not, uh, you know, doing anything else harmful for themselves. But really, blood pressure is is definitely one of the best bang for your buck things you can do uh, to reduce your risk of heart attacks and stroke. 
Um, and that's what we're talking about today is mainly preventing cardiovascular disease. The third thing is that diet can have an impact on both cholesterol and blood pressure. So there's a diet called the DASH diet, which uh, is easy to Google. Uh, and DASH simply stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And it's been studied fairly well over the years and been found to be very effective. So people that really stick to that DASH diet can lower their blood pressure with just that diet by at least 10 points. And, uh, you know, that's as effective as a single medication. So, you know, we know also that, you know, not having too much sodium can help as well, but that's less important uh, even in the DASH diet. And, you know, the foods that are in the DASH diet are things like, uh, you know, nuts, berries, uh, whole grains, uh, things like that, things that people would consider healthy anyway. But it's actually more of a list of things to eat, unlike a lot of diets, which are things you shouldn't eat. So for cholesterol example, uh, the best way to get your cholesterol down with your diet is to avoid saturated or what we call trans fat. And if you're re reading on a label and you ever see something that says partially hydrogenated uh, or if it says fat fat, then that's what you really have to watch out for. And that's what gives you the best bang for your buck in terms of reducing cholesterol. Lastly, um, you know, treating cholesterol is now based on your risk for a stroke or a heart attack. So, you know, we do like the bad cholesterol to be below 100, um, but deciding on whether we're going to treat somebody with medicine or not uh, is largely based now on seeing what their risk for a heart attack or a stroke is in the next 10 years. And there is actually a calculator that people can download themselves, you know, on their phones. Uh, it's called the ASCVD calculator. And you can just plug in some numbers, things like your age and your weight and your cholesterol, and it'll tell you your risk um, for having an event in the next 10 years. And for most people, um, if they are above that, let's say, 75 to 10% risk of an event, um, the more potent statins, uh, the ones that have come around, you know, in the last, uh, the last three generations anyway, atorvastatin, rosuvastatin, or the pedivastatin, are going to be probably the best treatments. And they also seem to be some of the better tolerated. You know, some of those early cholesterol medicines had more side effects. Um, and it looks like that can even help reduce your risk for dementia like Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Forrest, where can people learn more about these new recommendations you talked about today? Well, I'll put some links on accesshealthradio.com uh, to the risk calculator and also some other information. And uh, if people have specific questions uh, that aren't, you know, urgent, they can also send that to the email, accesshealthradio at gmail.com, and they can sort of find out more about that. They can also go to the American Heart Association website um, or go to heart.org and also find out more there. That's all the time we have for this week, Dr. Forrest. Thank you. And our scripture this week comes from Deuteronomy 28.1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.